Oh you know, it's these silly little stories, which yeah. a lot of people don't know about. And every time she visited poor people, it's been recorded that she offered apprenticeships to the children of those poor families. And it wasn't just boys. It was also for girls. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. I'm Heather Darcy, author of Anna, Duchess of Cleves, The King's Beloved Sister, and Children of the House of Cleves, Anna and Her Siblings, and that will be out this summer in the UK and in the autumn in the US. I am joined today by Peter Stiffel. Peter, welcome. It's so nice to have you. Thank you so much. No, it's an honor to be here. It really is. So what can you tell us about yourself? So I'm Peter Stiffel. I'm studying a PhD at the University of Kent. And I studied the iconography of Queen Mary I, uh, daughter of Henry VIII, our first Queen Regnant. Fascinating. And what is iconography? So a simple definition is it's the study of the symbolism. And because obviously, as we all know, in 16th, the 16th century, it wasn't just a portrait or it just wasn't a painting. Everything meant something, whether it was the jewels you wore or the clothes you wore or any objects in that painting. So I study that. I study... What is Mary portraying in these portraits of her or those portraits which were made from her or after her and so forth? So how she's presenting herself to the world through images. Exactly. In paintings, coins, medals, windows, charters, the lot. Why Mary the first? I've always been fascinated by her. You know, we always hear this story of Bloody Mary. She was the evil, evil sister of Elizabeth the first. When really, once you start learning about history, she's not this evil monster. She's a woman very much of her time, a very strong woman. You know, her mother was Catherine of Aragon. Her grandmother, Isabel of Castile. These are women you, you do not mess with. Very powerful women, especially in the patriarchal society they were at the time. You know, they had to work out a way, how do you present female power in a time when it was unnatural? And... All of the great themes we know of Elizabeth, you know, the Tilbury speech and the whole mother of my people, virgin mother. Well, actually, she learned that from her sister because Mary used the same sort of speeches, the same rhetoric, the same iconography before. So do you believe that or is there visual evidence that Elizabeth I patterned a lot of her, at least her early iconography off of what Mary did? When I say evidence, it's, you know, it's obviously... You can never prove that Elizabeth copied her sister, but sure. it's 
you can definitely see that she's been inspired, especially with the whole virgin queen, mother to her people. You know, if we compare the Tilbury speech to Mary's speech after White's rebellion, well, during White's rebellion, um, which was in 1554, just before her marriage, they're very, very similar. The whole, I am married to the realm. I am the mother of my people. And you do wonder, was Elizabeth, or at least those who inspired her speech, were they inspired by Mary's earlier one? You know, perhaps. Are there any particular types of iconography? And by types of iconography, I mean charters or portraits that you focus on during your research? My project's quite ambitious, actually. It's because obviously a lot of, I mean, Marian scholars and Tudor historians as a whole will be very famous of the very famous Antonio Small portrait, um, which is in the Museo de Prada in Spain. Um, maybe they know Hans Ewart's portrait in the Society of Antiquaries, where she's wearing that lovely golden dress. In terms of charters, a lot of us know of the first charter she was in, the Michaelmas 1553, again, maybe by Lavina Turning, where she's wearing that golden crap, that golden dress, and the angels are by her side. And then some people may also know of the portrait of her when she's married to Philip of Spain. And there's this reversal of, you know, he's on the dominant side, she's on the not dominant side. Well, that's not the whole picture. It's a very complex very exciting actually looking at all these charters so i look at all of these all well as many charters i can possibly look at so it's not just the roles on the king's bench which was a legal court in england it's other charters land charters letters patents um appointments and as well seals coins medals so i'm looking at anything that has an image of mary or a symbol of mary what does that show? Because obviously, you know, a lot of us, you know, we see these pretty paintings, we see these charters. Not everyone would have seen them. It's a very select audience. The paintings, only the aristocracy would have seen them. Um, or if you were visited an aristocrat. Charters, it was only, you know, those in the law, the solicitors, lawyers, judges, those who worked in those courts would have seen them. And obviously the people involved with those procedures. Coins and medals obviously are more public audience. So, you know, the most common image of the monarch would be the coin. I mean, it still is the coin. You know, that's where people are going to see their queen or monarch as a whole. You know, so the coin is very, very important in how Mary and all other monarchs portray themselves. This is how they portray themselves to their people. So, yeah, I think I'm currently on about over 300 images of her. Which oh, is wow. a lot more than I, yeah, I did not expect this many. Wow. Because, you know, I came into this thinking, oh, there may be 10, 20 images of her. No, that's a lot. What have been some of the more surprising images that you've seen? Oh, it's honest, it's, it's remarkable that, you know, just so many. I guess a couple of them, the coins, you know, I, I knew some of the coins, but others, it's, you know, what is going on? So, so after have... her marriage, she did she did start issuing currency showing both Philip and Mary. Yes. Okay. So, but it's not that simple. <laughs> okay. Tell so, me more about yes, the so... coins. <laughs> I'm very interested. Well, right. and you just had a change in your currency change... because you now have King Charles III. So this is very interesting to see a change into yes. your currency. So tell me yes. more about the coins. No. Let's talk about the coins. So the first coin in Mary's reign... It's 1553 to 1554. Um, I'll show 
well, Heather, I'm sure you'll show everyone this later. Yes. Um, so this is a silver groat. So it's four old pence. So it's, you know, the coin most people would have held or had access to. As you can see, Mary's on her own because she's, you know, she's unmarried at this point. She's wearing a, she's not wearing a partlet. So again, showing her virginity. And if I she's can wearing... describe the coin a little bit more, it yeah, also shows her with very striking facial features. And for my American friends, her hair's down, which that goes back to what Peter's saying about her showing her virginity. And she has a little crown on her. Well, not a little, but she has a crown on her head that has crosses and fleurs de lis. And she's facing, as you're looking at the coin, she's facing to the left. She's also wearing a pearl necklace with a cross, which may, you know, it might be the same necklace as the one portrayed in her portraits. We, you know, we can obviously never prove that. She's also wearing pearl earrings. So it's all about that virginity, how she's a pure, pure woman. She's not tainted by sin. She's not tainted by corruption, anything. I always feel like she's very Roman in this in this image. Yes, she I looks agree. like a, a Roman empress. Yeah, you know. And um, the pearls the are the, is that what symbolizes virginity? Yes, it's a it's one of the symbols of that. It's all about how pure she is, you know. And again, you know, we have to remember she was the Catholic savior for all Catholics in England after Edward and the Reformation. So obviously, the the front of the coin, so the obverse, uh, says who she is. She's Maria Regina. Queen of England. Um, and then the reverse, which is the back of the coin, has the English coat of arms and it has her motto, Veritas Temporis Filia. Truth is as, the daughter of time. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Just as a That's reminder <laughs> to our American friends, the coat of arms for England, it has the three fleurs de lis in the top left and bottom right, and then the three lions in the top right and bottom left. So that this is the coin most people would have seen. So this is the image, a lot of, you know, ordinary shooters would have had a merit because obviously very few people actually saw her or any of the monarchs in person however after she marries philip in 1554 you notice it's another you know it's a new silver groat which has been made on the you know when you first look at it oh nothing's changed but it's still just mary but the facial fe feature does look more lifelike maybe a little bit older absolutely and the crown's much larger Exactly, a lot larger, mm -hmm. but Philip's name is included on the front. Oh, I see. So it's now, you see, Philip and Mary. Yes. And then it says Queen of King, you know, of England, France, and Spain. And it looks and like an imperial has... crown, maybe? It's the same crown as what she was already wearing. Okay. Um, but it is a lot, you know, it is a larger crown, which I've, I've actually never noticed that before. So thank you. For that. Yeah, to me, it looks like an imperial <laughs> crown for whatever that's worth. Um, the first yeah. image you showed me, it it didn't look like an imperial crown because I feel like there's an arch with a cross at the top on this one. So, yes, yes, Great. No, exactly. <laughs> and then obviously the back of the coin has their joint motto. Um, we have made God our helper, which obviously, you know, they were a joint, a joint couple. They were a married partnership. And it still shows However, just the arms of England too, right? Exactly, yep. For now. <laughs> oh. However, there were other coins which didn't exactly do that. So if we look at this silver sixpence, for example, mm -hmm. so it's six pennies, so it's a larger denomination. They're both now present on the coin. Yes. Mary on the right, Philip on the left. And that shows her in the subservient and, position, correct? Well, this is the thing. 
normally you would say, oh yes, you know, that's her in the severant position because she's on the the right. But if we compare this coin to Ferdinand and Isabella, mm -hmm. Mary and Isabella are on the same side. So I know we don't have a way of knowing this, but is it possible that she was hearkening back to her Spanish heritage when creating this coin? Definitely. And there also is, you know, Philip's no heritage. Yeah, Philip's heritage. Exactly. Too. Mm -hmm. Because we do, well, there is a reference that's the um, medallist and Habsburg's uh, courtsman, um, da Trezzo, who was an Italian, um, he was, oh, uh, Jacobo de Trezzo is normally seen as a, one of the medalists. You know, there's famous medals of Mary and Philip, and he's primarily deals with those medals. But he also did design coinage. And there is a reference of him talking to the Duke of de Granville and saying that he's been sent to England to cart, to make designs for English coins. So he obviously knows about Isabel and Ferdinand and, you know, Philip and the whole Habsburg iconography. So he's obviously bought he's if we can prove that he did make this later coinage, which it is quite certain that he did, or at least helped in the process, he's certainly inspired by Isabella and Ferdinand here. Is it possible that the imperial crown that we see in the second, the 1554 Groat where it shows more natural facial features, and then also that first 1554 coin where it's both Philip and Mary? Is that imperial crown perhaps a nod to Mary basically being, well, not basically, but Mary is now, in fact, a Habsburg bride and part of the Habsburg Empire? Yes and no, because obviously we have to remember the imperial crown is very much an English thing after Henry's break with Rome, um, which is, again, there's a difference between the imperial crown and an open crown. The imperial crown's are very closed, so it's showing your independence from the papacy and your freedom. Whereas an open crown is normally saying that you're still a servant to the papacy, you're still a servant to Pope, and obviously, you know, into God. To follow up, perhaps it's just a reminder to her people then that see this coin that just because she has a foreign husband doesn't mean that they're subservient to him. Exactly. You know, if anything, they're on equal basis. But, you know, in England, she is the dominant partner. As, you know, as we all know, Ferdinand Isabella, who was really, you know, who was the dominant partner in that relationship? Isabella. So the fact that Mary and Isabella are on the same side on the coins, it does, I mean, to me, it does suggest that it's, yes, okay, we'll include Philip on these coins, but he's not in charge of England. So this also, seems like a very different portrayal than what we've had before, because I think that I know I personally, I, you know, I'm more of a Tudor adjacent historian than a Tudor historian, but... <laughs> When I think of Mary, I think of her as giving up some of her power to Philip and also on these coins when I've looked at them, to me, she was giving up some of her power, but that's that's not what's happening. Uh, it's completely false. Um, and even on some of these, the sixpence and the shillings, she's always portrayed higher than Philip. Oh. So she, yeah, not all of them, it is, you know, it's, but some of them, she is portrayed higher. But if we also compare her coin to Joanna and Charles V. Well, Charles V is in the same position as Mary and Isabella. And that's her niece and nephew. That's her aunt and nephew. Yeah, her so aunt. this okay, is Charles sorry, V, Holy Roman Emperor. 
Yes, her that's right. Mm-hmm. Her cousin, her cousin and father-in-law. <laughs> yes. As with all these Habsburgs. Um, but obviously he was, you know, he was seen as the real ruler of, you know, well, I'll say Spain, but obviously Castile, Aragon, mm-hmm. those territories. Because mm-hmm. he Whereas stole it Joanna, from his mother. <laughs> he, he, and, he and his grandfather stole it from his mother, yes, yes. Joanna. And the fact that Joanna's on the, you know, the side of Philip and Ferdinand, you know, it does sort of suggest that our whole idea of the dominant side is not the same as what Spain sees it as. Because Charles, yes. Isabella and Mary are all on the same side. Yes. All on the left, on the right, sorry. So Isabella, again, so, just yes. to, to sum, sum it up, Isabella is Mary's grandmother and she's the queen of um, Spain, one of the Catholic monarchs. And then there's Joanna Arwana the Mad, who is Catherine of Aragon's sister and Mary's aunt, who is who married Philip the Handsome. And then her son's the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. And then Mary wed Charles V's son, who is Philip II of Spain. Yes, we all love a bit of family dynamic, don't we? Yes, how exciting. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. But yes, but what's interesting, actually, if we go back to the English coins, Philip's only on the shillings and the sixpence. So the lower currencies. On, well, sort of the mid-tier. He's not on okay. any of the gold coinage. So he's not on any of the coins where bankers and aristocrats would use. He's not on the low coinage. He's not on the pennies or the groats or the half groats. So it's not to do with the common people either. It's the shillings and sixpence. So it's sort of that, that mid-tier. So with the, I noticed on the the reverse of the coin that that we're talking about that shows Philip and Mary, the coat of arms was different and it looked more like a marital coat of arms. When we look at the gold coins and the pennies and such after Mary's uh, marriage to Philip, are those also showing the dual coat of arms, the marital coat of arms, or just those of England? No, just of England. They don't change. It's only the shillings and sixpence that change. So she she is definitely portrayed as higher on the front of the coin, um, the obverse of the coin. Her nose is actually above his nose, and even though her head overall is smaller. So it's interesting to see the the kind of the bust of the two of them, and she is absolutely higher than he is. It's very subtle, though. It's very subtle. It almost makes it the is. coin look <laughs> like it's a bit off, but it's yeah, it's yeah. very subtle. No, it's very subtle. It's you know, it's this whole marriage dynamic is crazy. You know, we've always been told, oh, as soon as Philip comes. He then takes charge. Well, yes, that's complete. It's complete false. It's, you know, we didn't. They had certain statutes and acts which stopped him politically from gaining power in England. So we thought, oh, maybe he, he was just put on there just to please him. Philip wouldn't know. I've seen. Well, he would might have seen some of the coins, but he wouldn't have seen other things. You know, the fact that they're trying to work out how do we present a dual monarchy in England. Obviously, Spain are very. You know, Spain are very used to it. They they accept it fully. But England, it's how can a woman be in charge of her husband? But she's a queen, not a king. And or it Mary seems like they, 
yes, yes, she is a king and a queen. And I think we see that also with her, her sister Elizabeth, when she becomes the monarch, she's king and slash queen. Could you tell us more about the gold coins that would have been seen by the aristocracy after that, that were yes. issued after her marriage to Philip? So this is one of the coins that they would have seen. Golden Ryle. Um, you can see Mary's in the centre. She's on a boat. So the boat is England. She's the captain. She's holding the sword of a justice. You know, she's the rightful ruler. Again, she's wearing that large crown, loose hair, showing her virginity. She's a maiden queen. And you see the, um, I guess it's flag. Um, yeah. It says M, so it's, you know, it's, I'm not quite sure what the correct terminology is, so please forgive me. Um, so, yes, the flag is of, of M. Um, when they she marries Philip, Again, obviously, Philip's name is included, so it's, it'll be Philip and Maria, not just Maria, mm -hmm. and it's a P and an M. Okay. So his initial was on it, but he's, his face, is his figure is not on it. And this coin is similar to one that her father had issued. Isn't this boat motif that's been seen yes. before? It's, okay. um, it's, a very, it's a very common... Um, her brother had it, her father had it, and I think even her great... Her grandfather and great grandfather had it, um, so it's you know it's a usual um, iconography. And a but couple it's more important oh. because it's a, she's a she's a woman, she's yes. a woman leading the ship, you know she's the savior, she's the captain steering it through choppy waters, which is obviously completely unique in England. Yes, and I'm seeing a couple more details just for our listeners. There's also a Tudor rose at the bottom of the ship. It's kind of a U shape, and the sails are up. She's holding the arms of England as a shield in her left hand. And then on the reverse, it looks like a Tudor rose. And then I, maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but are those rays, might those harken back to her Yorkist grandmother? Maybe. Maybe. I, I or maybe really I'm stretching about it. That. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I always saw it as a, as a son. So yes, it the could be a son York, too. Maybe, you know. Yeah. And then there's, uh, there's crowns over, the lions of England, over, and then there's little fleurs and... de lis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then, so this was when, this is before she was married. So this is dated 1553. And then after she's married, which is, again, after 1554, um, Philip's included with only his name and his initial P. Okay. His, his facial features are not on it at all. Okay. Okay. Turning to her seals now, how many did she have in her reign? during her reign well now this <laughs> this is well this is where i'm sort of putting my neck out on the line um so yes i mean we're very used to seeing just the great seal um which was the prominent seal in all royal royal documents um in terms of the great seal she definitely had two um one in 1553 well 1554 it was finally made um, then it changed in 15, well, discussions started happening in 1555 about needing a new seal to include the king. It's not until 1556 the Privy Council decide to actually start making this new seal. The earliest seal I found with this new depiction is at the end of 1556, early 1557. However, there is a drawing in the British Museum of another seal in 1558. Now, huh. a lot of people, they used to think it was of Elizabeth. 
but you can clearly see the facial features, the fact that she's wearing a tall cross, which is the same as in the youth depictions. She's also wearing what some people used to say is La Peregrina, which is this famous Spanish pearl in her Antonio Small portrait and the pendant. I call it the Spanish pendant because it's a lot more confusing of what the actual jewel is. But you can clearly see it's Mary. Now, if this state is correct, she had three great seals. One before her marriage, one during her marriage, and then one at the end of her reign. Well, what ended up being the end of her reign. Now, by 1558, Philip had left her. He wasn't coming back to England anytime soon. Was this her returning back to a sole monarchy, so to speak, by her just being presented on her own? So we know that there were at least two seals. There was one before she was married, and then there was one when she was married. Were there any other great seals that were commissioned by Mary? Yes, there was. Um, so there's this drawing in the British Museum, um, dated 1558. And as you can see, Philip's gone. What's happened? What's going on here? So um, for your viewers, um, Mary's in the centre. There's these lovely Roman or Greek pillars behind her. Um, she's holding the scepter, the orb. Um, we know it is Mary because she's wearing the famous cross, which is seen in Hans Jürgen's portraits, and also the famous dim uh, diamond and pearl pendant um, seen in Antonio Moore's portraits. And, and the gown is obviously, you know, it's the same, it's the same woman. Um, but either side of her are sphinxes. Now, this is, you know, it's extraordinary, this image. It really is. It's, it screams of a Roman goddess or a you know, Greek goddess, goddess to me. Um, it's absolutely remarkable. So why is Philip not included? I mean, my theory is that this seal was commissioned in the later, the last year of her reign. Obviously, no one knew at that time it would be her last year. But by this point, Philip's no longer in England. There's a very little chance of him coming back. This is Mary trying to take back control to squash those fears of you know, people thinking Philip's now taken over the government. Well, he hasn't. It's He never did. It's all been Mary. Obviously, Philip's helped because, you know, it's a partnership. They're a dual monarchy, you know, where she may be struggling with something. He's helped her. He's obviously the warrior. You know, that's why he's off in Spain at the minute. He's in the middle of battling the French. This is Mary taking back control on these seals. And as I've said before, these seals are present in most legal documents concerning the crown. Um, this is one of the few images of the monarch which would go to more public spaces than coins. Was um, this originally thought so yeah, to no, be Elizabeth? Yes. So originally, everyone thought it was Elizabeth because it does look similar to Elizabethan seals. Yes. The first design anyway. But we know it's Mary because of these jewels. Well, and, and her the hair is up seals, too, right? Yes, it is. Exactly. Was, were, were, I think I am by no means knowledgeable about seals, but do we know if Elizabeth's first seal for hair was up or down? It was down. Okay. So as this would show then um, that she's I'm in the middle married. Of, just double checking, but it does look like it's down, but it's okay. the same sort of image. And um, when a woman wears her hair up, that shows that she's married, correct? She's married, exactly. Okay. So this still shows that's, that she's married to Philip, but he's just yep. removed. Okay. Exactly. 
And we also know it's not Elizabeth because Elizabeth seals don't have these jewels. But it's it's just absolutely extraordinary because, I mean, we always thought, oh, maybe they never designed it or it was never used. Well, how to explain this seal here? <laughs> it's, you know, it's it so looks very similar. We're looking at uh, what I am going to describe as a wax matrix. I don't know that that's the proper term, but it does look very similar. It is very distorted by age, but it does look very similar from what details now, are visible. Now, originally, we thought it was Elizabeth seal, you know, because that would make sense. But there is a cross in the center. So, you know, I mean, there's no way of proving it one way or the other if it is Mary. But if it is, then we know this seal was made. And if the seal was made, then we have to rely on that drawing. And it means that Mary knew exactly what she was doing. Or at least the government knew what they were doing. They were portraying their sovereign queen as a sole queen once again. You know, Philip's Philip's tried to have a child of her. He's failed in that duty. Because obviously, you know, we have to remember, it wasn't just her failure. It was Philip's failure. He hadn't produced a son. That's the only reason he came in the first place. And he's failed in that. So when we I think, think of, yes. so this when we think of Mary's father, of course, that was his great failure was it took him a really long time to produce a son and he blamed that on his wives for quite some time until until jane mm. came along but i wonder if that also may, maybe made mary uncomfortable yeah no it probably did you know because we know how much she wanted the child and there is you know there is this other this whole other aspect of her we always think she's depressed gloomy you know like i said previously bloody unemotional well, she was actually the one of the most most kindest of all Tudor monarchs. She was accused of being weak because she was so merciful. And there's, you know, there's accounts of her visiting her, the poor people. Um, there's a famous account by one of her ladies in waiting, Jane Dormer, who say that when she was visiting Cardinal Reginald Pole in one of his palaces in Croydon, um, Mary and her ladies in waiting went round the poor people in disguise, so they didn't know she was the queen. They just thought she was a lady in waiting, and they visited this this poor this poor family, and they shared a meal. So we can imagine what she was eating, you know, porridge or whatever, stew. And she asked this this guy who worked for the court, "Oh, you know, how how are times? You know, how's your family?" And he said, "Oh, yes, no, they're very well, madam, but the queen's men haven't paid me, and I think it'd been about a month or two months he hadn't been paid." So she questioned him. She said, you know, is this true what you tell me? If it is, I'll go and talk to the Queen on your behalf and come back tomorrow, come to the palace tomorrow, and you will be paid. Anyway, she then she leaves the household and she goes to the court and she demands to see the person in charge of paying these people. <laughs> and she, you know, she really does. I mean, that is the one time she does become a monster because she bites his head off. She says, why haven't you paid these people? You know, they're my loyal, they're loyal subjects who have done a good day's work and you have not paid them. And then the guy, you know, he quivers, he says, oh, I'm so sorry, Your Majesty, I'm so sorry. It will be rectified. And he says, make sure it is if you still want a position tomorrow morning. <laughs> anyway, she leaves and the guy then talks to Jane Dulmer and says, how, how did she know that? How did she know that we hadn't paid her? Well, she asked him. Oh my you know, it's these silly little stories which yeah. a lot of people don't know about. 
And every time she visited poor people, it's been recorded that she offered apprenticeships to the children of those poor families. And it wasn't just boys, it was also for girls. What are some other surprising things that you learned about Mary as a person while you've worked on her iconography? Oh, surprising. Or unexpected. Yeah, it's just how kind she was. You know, she was very much like her mother. I mean, it's why people loved her. You know, there's this whole idea that we think, oh, in the last year, everyone hated her because of the burn-ins. Um, and a religious policy, and, and everyone sighed a great relief when she passed. Well, that's not accurate at all, you know. In you know, in even recent memory of the late Queen's passing, it's it is a shock when your monarch is no longer there, especially for the Catholics at this time. You know, they knew what was going to happen afterwards, and their one chance of salvation, you know, it wasn't her fault, but she didn't produce that needed air to stabilize the catholic agenda um and you know there's lots of poems written after you know at the time of her death saying that you know she was the virgin of virgins she was the mother of her people she was you know she was just a wonderful kind person um which you know which we can't really say for a lot of other tutors really you know how many visited the poor you know, I'm I'm no Elizabethan expert by any chance, but I don't know how many times she visited poor people without them knowing. You know, there's one thing having a walkabout or going on procession and people knowing it's you, but how many times did she do that without them knowing it was her? Because Mary never told anyone when she visited these poor people that it was her. It was all done in disguise. Hmm. So I sort of, you know, she sort of had the same sort of humor as a father really in dressing up and pretending to be someone else um so yeah it's just how kind she was that was probably the biggest learning curve for me so far is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about your research yes um so obviously we don't just i mean i don't just look at english portraiture and english um iconography i also look at foreign portraits and foreign images of her because a lot of people seem to forget she wasn't just queen of england she was queen of spain yes naples jerusalem france technically um you know all the spanish territories after she married philip didn't charles v elevate philip to have his own kingdom so that he would match her in status i think he gave him sicily and naples before they married is that right yes so (laughs) the night before (laughs) <laughs> he gave him Naples and Jerusalem and oh. Sicily mm-hmm. because they didn't, they couldn't bear have him be a prince marrying a queen. Plus, it was also to help Mary because Mary was very much she can't marry beneath herself. Yes. Um. So if she, if a queen marries a king, it's fine. If a queen marries a prince, mm, maybe you know, it's that whole that whole fear. Um. But no. So there were three windows. Um, well, two windows I want to discuss today. Um, in the in, well, in the Low Countries, so Philip's territories, um, and it's, again, it's images of the Queen we don't really talk about. And the Low Countries are modern-day Belgium and um, Netherlands, right? Modern Belgium and modern ne- yes, loosely yes. speaking, modern-day Belgium and Netherlands. Okay, yeah. so they're in the <laughs> that, Low that Countries. Yes. Yeah, so this window in Antwerp, mm-hmm. 
um, created in 1556. No, yes, 1556, 1557. Um, so it's obviously of the, the royal couple. And it's very, very if colorful. See, so it's a stained glass window in a church, I would assume, right? Yes, it's a stained glass window in the cathedral in Antwerp. Okay. Um, so you know, it's it's the main church of that cathedral, and it's you know, it's a miracle it survived really. Well, because there was that see, iconoclasm you know, in the 1560s, right, in the Low Countries. So in the 1560s, yes. there was an iconoclasm, which means the destruction of religious images, and a lot of churches, to to be very broad about it, a lot of churches were churches their were... altars and their windows and their items were completely destroyed during this iconoclasm. So if we take a quick look at the image of Mary and Philip, because obviously, you know, they're both together in this image. You see, Mary is with the Virgin Mary, not only to reference her namesake, but also, you know, they want that child. They, you know, the Virgin is blessing Mary, hoping for this child to occur. And you can see, you know, the crowns are very different to the English ones. You know, they are very imperial. You know, they're very Habsburg. Um, and we know this is on Mary because it's her coat of arms are on the the, oh, the cloth which she's kneeling on. Um, but yes, no, this is one of the you know, which is you know of her because obviously you know those in the Low Countries wouldn't have seen her in the flesh. They wouldn't. Have, they may have seen paintings, may have seen coins. You know there was a coin in Flanders with the couple, but Spanish coins usually don't have the image of the monarch, so they wouldn't. The Spanish wouldn't have seen her. Um, but this window, designed in 1557 by the Kravath brothers, it's an image which we don't normally look at. We don't normally think of Mary in this way. You know, it's yes, it's not lifelike. Why is it not lifelike? You know, they had access to these images of her. Why didn't they use Antonius Moore designs? Why didn't they use Hunt-Jewith's designs? We don't know. So it's sort of more of an allegorical Mary. It's sort of her as this beauty, as this, this well, obviously the wife of Philip, but also an independent sovereign. You know, she wears, I believe there is a, a metaphor of her wearing the garter. Now, obviously she didn't wear the garter in real life, but it's to show that she, it's her chivalric order. Well, Philip wears the order of the golden fleece. You know, she's wearing the gold, she's wearing the blue. She's wearing as much ermine as her, as her husband. And again, and they this, wear equal crowns. This is another stained glass window, correct? Yes. And yes. Where... So this is in Gouda. Gouda, okay. sorry. Um, so yes, it's all they're all quite close together, all in the low country. You know, it's, so you do have to wonder why weren't there any made in England? You know, I mean there was a famous window at Hampton Court Palace with her as a princess. But sadly, that hasn't survived. Only a very brief sketch has survived. But obviously, that was before she was queen. Um, so the Gouda window was created primarily because there was a fire a few years before, and they had to replace it. And Philip commissioned Philip and Mary both commissioned this window as a joint project. So you know they had they must have been involved somewhere. Um, but yeah, no, this is just you know another image of the queen that we don't really talk about we don't you know a lot of people probably don't know about it and it's extraordinary it really is well thank you for sharing all these 
talking about the coins and the great seals and these stained glass windows in the Low Countries, uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. And I'm sure we could talk for much, much longer because this is an absolutely fascinating subject. But I wanted to thank you for coming today. And how can we, how can people get in touch with you? Yes, yeah, so the, probably the easiest way is on Twitter. Um, peace to fail, I think. Um, but yeah, no, if you want anything about Mary, Twitter's probably the best bet. Or just, you know, listen to my other podcasts, which are available on the usual platforms. Um, but yes, no, it's been an honour. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you again. And this is Heather Darcy with Tudor's Dynasty. And have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.